Hey everyone, it's Jonathan, and welcome back to the Disney Adjacent Movie Marathon. Today I'm joined once more by Mark Brown, and we're talking about a non-Disney film as a follow-up to our episode on Walt Disney's Treasure Island. We recorded our original Treasure Island episode quite a while ago, and during my research at the time, I discovered there was a sequel to that film. However, it was not made by or approved by Disney, the company, or the man. I thought about covering this back then, but I decided against it as I was just focusing on Treasure Island as being the final episode in my Disney's Journey to Live Action series, and I had other things I wanted to work on after that. But now I've re-released that series on the new Disney Movie Marathon podcast, and I've decided this is the perfect time to finally come back and talk about this film. Long John Silver, or Long John Silver's Return to Treasure Island, is an Australian film released four years after the original Treasure Island, directed by Byron Haskin, the same guy who did Walt Disney's film, and starring Robert Newton as Long John Silver, reprising his role from the first film. And as far as I know, that was the only returning cast and crew. Other returning characters were recast, and the script, while very derivative of the original, was a brand new story. As far as I know, this has nothing to do with the original book. To me, it seems like glorified, big-budget fan fiction. This movie really only seems to exist because someone realized that Disney's Treasure Island did well, and the book on which it was based was in the public domain, so legally, there was nothing stopping anyone from making a sequel to try and capitalize on its popularity. So they did. So had you heard of this movie before I suggested doing it? I think vaguely I did, like back when I saw Treasure Island and... I think I'm like uh, I think we're similar, but like one thing I do is that after I watch a movie, I look I I read through the Wikipedia and IMDb mm-hmm. pages just to learn about trivia and um, history about the film and stuff like that. So I think I probably did that after the first time I saw Treasure Island, and they mentioned oh that he actually appeared in another Treasure Island kind of sequel, which had nothing to do with Disney, but he played the same character. But no, I had never um, seen it. Yeah. I'd- the, the first time I remember hearing about this is probably when we recorded the original podcast a couple of years ago, and I was looking up trivia for it then. Eli was with us then, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. The movie itself, it's a sequel, but it's not like an official sequel. It's like a, I want to, I don't want to say it's a knockoff, but it kind of is. <laughs> like, while you're watching it, it almost feels like a knockoff of the Disney version. Like there's a bunch of things that are not even the Disney version of the story itself. There's a bunch of things that happen that it's like, okay, they just like took this from the book, but then they changed it. It reminds me of, I was listening to a, one of Leonard Maltin's podcasts recently. Um, he does his uh, Maltin on movies podcast with his daughter. Uh, I forget which episode it was, but he mentioned, um, like he was talking about like generally the golden age of cinema the 50s and the 40s 50s and stuff like that about how like back then you know a lot of films didn't do sequels but what they would do is like companies would try to make films in the same vein as popular films and in essence they're kind of like like what you describe i don't not to say knockoff but films made with kind of like the same spirit or something similar with the popular film to try to try to get the audience to come back and i think that's kind of a good idea to to to, to describe what this film is like the example leonard Maltin was given was um i forget the name of the film but he was talking about um Casablanca and that how there was another film that came out years later with Humphrey Bogart was in it again and uh, Claude Rains was in it again and it had a similar kind of feel like Casablanca so 
uh, that was kind of the point he was trying to make. That sounds like I, I haven't seen the original original, but White Christmas. Uh-huh. It was like based on or kind of remaking an earlier film, even though apparently it's different, but it's similar enough that it was kind of a remake. It's a remake of Holiday Inn. Is, is, yes, is it not? that was yeah. it. I've skipped it because I've seen both, but it's been a long time. But yes, they're both they're both very similar. But and they might they might as well be remakes or at least the same thing that we're talking about, like you know, spiritual successors. Mm-hmm. And this is not exactly like that because even though there are some scenes that it's just it it, it feels like a ripoff of Treasure Island, mm-hmm. it's still supposed to take place in the same universe, mm-hmm. even though the only actor returning was long john silver <laughs> yeah uh, i can agree with that yeah because this is uh, this is also like what mid, mid 50s getting into late 50s i guess 54 or something like 50, that. 54 so it was yeah. four years later mm. this movie also had a sequel in the form of a tv show yes even though this movie apparently was not successful but they greenlit a tv show anyway and i have not watched the tv show i'm not sure if i will maybe Maybe in a few years, if I keep doing every version ever and I run out of other treasure islands, <laughs> I, 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 try, I kind of avoid doing TV series because this it's it's too much to yeah, do a ton of op- TV shows. You're, you're opening too much too many doors with that. Because then, then there's TV series and there's miniseries. And yeah, and ki- there's kind anime. of a lot of treasure island miniseries tv series like it seems to be more popular to do a series of treasure island rather than just a movie and even disney did a sequel series much later in like the 80s i think yeah with brian blessed as long john silver oh i'm not familiar with that one that was 1986 return to treasure island which i'm not sure if you can watch it anywhere or not i did try to look it up earlier tonight but i kept finding other things that were called Return to Treasure Island. <laughs> so it's also popular to make unofficial sequels to Treasure Island. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Treasure Island is apparently something that people try to make and remake and make sequels to endlessly. I haven't seen any recently, but for a while, I, like I think in the 90s, it seemed like a bunch of different people made different ones. I was about to mention that I, I don't think there's been a treasure island adaptation that i could think of in the past maybe five ten years i can't think of any now yeah so like i said it feels kind of like a treasure island ripoff at the beginning especially because some of the same stuff happens like you have a dying pirate coming in gasping out some key phrases to set the story in motion (laughs) except this time he's talking to long john silver instead of jim hawkins and he's telling him that Jim Hawkins has been kidnapped by another pirate named Captain Mendoza or El Toro. And there's also another kid who is the daughter of Governor Strong. I'm not sure if that's a real person or not, but they've been kidnapped. And when he first heard about the girl, he didn't care, but then he hears about Jim and now he cares, except I don't know if he actually cares about Jim or not, because he also has another map for Treasure Island because apparently there's a second treasure stash, but this one needs a special medallion to decode for some reason. And Jim has this medallion, but I don't know if he knows that Jim has it yet or not. It, I was confused as to whether he knew that in advance. I don't think he did, but I 
I could be wrong. I saw this. I watched this a, a month ago, and um, I kind of skimmed through it again to just kind of prep myself for today. But I don't remember that being a plot point that Jim actually knew he had the medallion, or at least the importance of it. Yeah, I don't know. I was kind of confused because, like, he goes to rescue them. And the first thing he does when he sees Jim is to grab him and grab at the medallion. But I don't know if it's because he knew that he had the medallion around his neck or if he just noticed it when he first saw him and was like, hey, that's the thing I need. I don't, it, it's kind of confusing. There was a bunch of things that were kind of confusing in this. <laughs> but that was the first thing that confused me. It wasn't the most polished script. <laughs> no, no, it was not. <laughs> you could tell that they made this thing pretty quick, and there were some plot holes that they should have ironed out. I think they made it up as it went along. Like it, when you get to, it did get to kind Israel. of feel like that. When we get to Israel hands, <laughs> yes, then <laughs> definitely, definitely. But he also has this other plan that he tells Captain Mendoza about, and I'm not sure how much of this plan he's actually planning. Like he's. I'm I'm confused about a lot of his motivations because he'll say one thing, do another thing, and then another thing will happen. And like, it's like, how much of this is he planning? How much of this is accident? How much of this is just people writing the script, making it up as they're going? So his plan is he's going after Captain Mendoza, ostensibly to rescue the daughter of the governor. But then he tells the captain that his plan is to signal that they're headed in one direction so that the army will go after them in that direction, but then they'll actually go in the opposite direction and clear out the king's warehouse. But it's it's not the king. They keep calling it the king's treasure, but it's actually the governor's treasure because they specifically say it belongs to the governor later. But I don't know why they keep calling it the king's. This is another thing where somebody needed to go over the script a bit or explain why... Like, is, is the governor they, the king or what? I don't know. Maybe the governor's just keeping it for the king because the king's <laughs> out of town or something. I don't know. But also, why is he keeping it in this barn? Because it's like a it's like a wooden building. Yeah. Like, why would you put all these treasures in the shack? <laughs> I mean, would anyone think to look there? Maybe, that, maybe that's the reasoning. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> or they would just make this up as it went along. <laughs> Yeah, that seems like the most likely explanation for all of the things I'm confused about. Do we have the budget to build a, you know, a secure storehouse? Nah, let's get a shack. That'll do it. <laughs> and I was also confused about in the same scene where he sees the medallion, they throw Jim out of the room, and then Jim pulls a knife out of his shirt, but acts like he's never seen it before. And I went back and watched the scene like two or three times i did not see him put the knife in his shirt but they acted like maybe he planted it on him i was very confused by the knife because it never came up again i don't remember that part actually (laughs) that's because it was so brief and then never came up again and was inconsequential to the plot yeah consequential enough to put it in for that five seconds apparently but anyways silver is double crossed by mendoza who goes to carry out his plan but then Silver is like triple crossing Mendoza because he probably knew that he was going to double cross him. So Silver's men take the treasure for himself, for Silver. Yeah. And then they let Mendoza go so that the governor will think that Mendoza stole it. And he actually does rescue Jim and the girl. And the girl, yeah. But 
I did the did, were the kids aware of what was going on around them? Because they're talking about all this when they're there, like acting like they're going to steal all this treasure. But then he brings them back, and they don't say anything. Who are the kids? Yeah, like the kids had to have seen them stealing all of this treasure, but they don't tell the governor. Like it's her father; she should tell him that Long John Silver was stealing all this treasure and blaming this other pirate. She's just probably happy to be home. <laughs> I suppose. I hopefully once the PTSD wears off, she'll realize what was going on. Like, oh, father! Her. By the way, <laughs> it was Long John Silver after all. But yeah, like you mentioned, Long John Silver triple crossing, and you know, yeah, part of that I think, like like we said, is you know script. But another part, I I think that's part of Long John Silver's character. Yeah, as you know, not just in this movie or the other movie, or but even the book. Like Long John Silver is probably he—he he is actually my favorite fictional pirate. Like I like him mm-hmm. even more than uh, Jack Sparrow, and I—I th- I think it's be- well, this is one of the reasons. Like he's just super cunning and yeah, has like three or four backup plans already in his mind. Yeah, so so I mean, even he- though he- sorry, go ahead. Despite all of the weirdness of the script, I did yeah. actually like his character in this. Like this, he, he was the best part. This is this is not like a great movie, but it's entertaining. Yes, yeah, it's, it's entertaining enough to not like it's a, an hour forty six minutes. It's pretty long for a movie back then. So like, I didn't feel that it felt that long. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, had had they like recast Long John Silver this with some other actor, I. <laughs> I don't know how that, oh, how that, that would have been. It would have faded into obscurity. <laughs> like the only thing that makes this notable is the fact that they that have is, Robert Newton back. That, that is true. I'm looking at the, the Wikipedia page right now at the moment, and the production company apparently that produces film is called Treasure Island Pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, they literally had a production company just for this. Yeah. And, the, and they went on to make the TV series later, too. Oh, okay. And I think they had something else in the works that never panned out. They forget after these two. <laughs> well, Robin Eason probably died by then. Like, yep, that's that's it. Yeah, Robin Eason died in nineteen fifty six, so this is only two years prior to his death. Oh, maybe that's why the show only lasted one season. Yeah. Well, it doesn't say, but on the Wikipedia page, it says for much of its international audience, the series aired after the death of its star because Robert Newton died of a heart attack in March of nineteen fifty six. Oh, okay. For like the international audiences. Yeah, hmm. it, I think it aired. It aired in Australia first because this was an Australian movie, and the TV series was Australian. Yeah, because well. a lot of these actors are Australian too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Anyway, another thing that I'm very confused about is when he returns the kids, he tries to get the governor to give him Jim, but like, yes. what happened to Jim's mother? Why is the the governor in charge of Jim? That's a good question. I that didn't even cross my mind. <laughs> I'm guessing I, she died. Yeah, I don't know. Because then you have this whole other subplot where there's this innkeeper named Purity Pinker, who I guess she's in love with Long John Silver for some reason, yeah. even though at the beginning she seems to hate him. But then he gives her a necklace from this hoard of treasure that he stole, and now she's like determined to marry him. But also she wants them to be Jim's parents for some reason. Just <laughs> kind of... Uh, I think this. I know you said this takes place in the same universe as the other. But I think it's more like a, like a another multiverse. <laughs> Maybe I, I don't know. So like, there's another Long John Silver and another, you know, um, 
Jim Hawkins, but this Jim Hawkins doesn't have parents. I guess that's as good an explanation of it as any. But then again, like like you said, it, this takes place after the events of the first film, so yeah, script. <laughs> yeah, and the uh, the bar lady, I forget her. Oh, what's her name? Purity Pinker. She yeah. She just has this love hate. like you said she she hates it it feels like she hates him at the beginning and then she turns and will do anything to get married to him but long john silvers he ain't gonna be hitched (laughs) which is which is like a running gag throughout this film yes yes and you also have a couple of scenes in here both before and after the scene with purity where he's trying to get the medallion off jim and like in the in the last scene before they fully set sail he like he acts like he's gonna i don't know they have a whole fight and it ends with jim pushing him off a balcony and it's like at this point jim should know that he is no good like i mean he should have known that after the first movie it's there's so much about jim that makes you think that jim is not very smart (laughs) he he ain't the wisest boy around let's say that Hmm. And he's played by Kit Taylor, who I guess this was his first film. And I was trying to think to myself, huh, did he play Jim Hawkins in Treasure Island? And I was like, oh, wait, no, that was Bobby Driscoll. No, apparently his father is also in this movie as the guy with the eye patch. Grant Taylor, yeah. Silver's, like, right-hand man who wants mm-hmm. to take over. And also Rod Taylor is in this, and he's not related. But yeah, I was I was like looking at a whole bunch of different web pages, like trying to figure out is Rod Taylor re- related to all these other Taylors, <laughs> but apparently not. But yeah. he's also the voice of Pongo in Hunter One Dalmatians, which I thought was kind of a weird coincidence. Not yeah, coincidence, but it was just st- kind of strange. He does not sound like Pongo at all. He was the only actor that I knew in this film besides Robert Newton. I didn't know any of the other actors. But yeah, I knew him because neither. of 100 with animations and like the time machine and the birds. I'd seen him in those. And also episode of Twilight Zone. His voice that he's doing for this movie just does not sound like I I would not have recognized him except that I looked up who was playing who. I feel he might have been dubbed in this film, but I mean, I could be wrong. But I mean, to be fair, even in his other films that I've seen of his, like the time machine and the birds, I I, I don't think he sounded exactly like Pongo either. So mm. I don't know if he was doing something different when he did Pongo or with his voice, I mean, or that was just later in his life, or I don't know, there was just dubs involved, or I don't know. But I don't know. I, I've only seen The Time Machine and the Birds once, and that was years and years ago. Okay. And so his main, the main thing I'm familiar with is Hunter Wind Dalmatians. His best work. <laughs> Probably, yes. <laughs> But yeah, you have that whole scene where they have this plan to make a voyage back to Treasure Island, and Silver gives him this tall tale about turning himself in and facing a fair trial, and then then they'll later go back to Treasure Island. But this ends with him getting pushed off the balcony, but then later he comes back and he's still acting like they're friends, so I, Jim is kind of an idiot. <laughs> That's pretty much the title of this episode. Jim is kind of a idiot. But then, of course, Silver needs a ship. So he makes arrangements with this guy, Captain McDougal, which I thought he was like a pastor or a priest or something, but apparently he's just super religious. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why I thought that. I think just because the fact that he was quoting the Bible. 
Tim Hugh, there's something Tim about Hugh. his collar that seemed yeah. priestly, I guess. That's what I was going to say. I thought his collar had a little bit of a, a priestly poke to it. Yeah, I don't know. And I thought maybe he was like the going to be like the the boat pastor. I don't know. <laughs> but then he was called the captain later. So I get maybe I was just wrong that he was a, pa- a pastor or a priest. I don't know. Uh, I had the same um, thoughts when I saw him too. But they make arrangements to get a ship and crew together. And during all of this, Purity is like fully planning the wedding, like getting a dress, getting the reverend. And I don't know why she thinks this is happening because he's like all but refused to marry her, but she's just going along with this plan. Just she's invented an entire scenario into her in her own head, which leads to her like chasing him out to sea in her wedding dress, shrieking after him as he's trying to get away from her that she'll tear him limb from limb if he doesn't come back. <laughs> which just make, makes it more determined to keep going yes and then you get another scene that's kind of straight out of the book but they've done their own thing with it well first you have a scene of jim like serving the captain and the captain's kind of treating him badly and i was like this is kind of weird because before that i thought he was going to be like a good guy but then he's like calling him stupid and an idiot and telling him to go and get him salt and then when he goes to get the salt he overhears silver planning mutiny which that basically happened in the in the first story yeah from here especially there's a lot of scenes that are just copied and pasted from, yeah <laughs> with, with maybe you know they change the font a little bit yes the first movie and that's what other in one film he he hides an apple barrel the other one it's what was it a salt salt barrel yeah i don't think he was inside anything he was just on the other side of a wall listening but anyways, he overhears this and goes to tell the captain, but he makes him promise to spare Long John for some reason. Good old Long John. <laughs> like, if, at this point, you've seen Long John do so many bad things. He's double-crossed you, specifically, more than once. In multiple why, why are you? Why are you pleading for him to be spared? I don't know. Whatever. You do you, Jim. <laughs> So the captain promises that he'll be spared and they wait until they try to do the mutiny, but then they foil their plans. But then for some reason, the captain double crosses Jim and not only plans to maroon silver along with his crew on a nearby island, but he also tosses Jim in with them for some reason. Did he toss Jim in with him or did Long John bring Jim along? Like, He specifically says that Jim is going with them. Okay. Like, he targets Jim specifically. I don't know why. But it's obvious that he's not a good person. And Jim apologizes for turning him in, saying that he thought Captain McDougal was a man of the Bible. Otherwise, he never would have turned him in. And then Long John Silver had a quote that I actually really liked. He said, sometimes them what quotes the Bible have less Bible in their hearts than them what don't. <laughs> Which I thought was a good line. I, especially the way he said it. Yeah. So then they're marooned, but it turns out by some sheer coincidence that this is actually Captain Mendoza's secret hideout island. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So they steal his ship and head for Treasure Island. (laughs) It's like, well, that was fortunate. (laughs) Serendipitous right there. It's one of those things where the plot needed something to happen, so it happened. It's uh, what they call it, a 
like a deus ex machina. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's yeah. maybe, I don't know if it would count as a deus ex machina, but it's similar to one if it's not that exactly. They needed something to happen, so they, they made something happen. <laughs> yes, exactly. So they get to Treasure Island, but as soon as they get there, they start getting picked off one by one, which the first guy that died, <laughs> that actually made me laugh because he has some like a seemingly profound line about this being such a beautiful place and a man could spend the rest of his life here and then he's immediately shot. <laughs> hey, you, you, you asked for it. <laughs> and I, I couldn't tell if they meant for that to be funny, but I found it funny. <laughs> but yeah, they're all picked off one by one until they escape into this old hideout. I think it's the same space like this shack thing that they hid in in the first movie i thought it was exact same place yeah i think so and even then some of them die because they for some reason decide to go out into the jungle themselves i don't know why but they get picked off as well and then it's revealed that the person picking them off is israel hands the guy they killed in in the first movie (laughs) jim killed him by shooting him in the forehead in the first movie except Apparently, it just blinded him. Yeah, like he he missed. (laughs) It made no sense. Like he's literally shot in the forehead, and oh, he's just blind now. No, not no no mention of the fact that the bullet had to have gone through his brain, and he fell into the ocean. And yeah, they were kind of near land, but not near enough that somebody who'd been shot in the head could get there and survive for how many years has it been since they were on treasure island i think even even the characters were questioning this (laughs) yeah it's ridiculous it made made no sense (laughs) script yes yes exactly we need a villain and who who can we get why not israel hands yeah people know that name (laughs) yeah because you know why would we bring back mendoza again (laughs) well they do that as well. They do that as well. <laughs> I don't know. They gotta throw all the things into the pot. And we should mention that Israel Israel Hands is the one that Rod, Rod Taylor plays. Yes, yes. I think this was his was this his first movie, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't think it was his oh. first movie, but it was one of his first movies. Yeah, it looks like it's his second movie according to Wikipedia. It came out the same year as his film debut. Yeah, I guess so. On IMDb, it has it's his third credit, but his first credit is short. So okay, so this is seven years before Hunter One Directions. Yeah, but yeah. Mendoza shows up at this point. They followed them there in the second boat, and now they're after them. And for some reason, instead of killing Israel Hands right then when they get a hold of him, they just bring him with them to the treasure. Why? They probably figured it didn't work last time. <laughs> like, th- this guy is like killed off half the crew at this point. Why are they bringing him with them? <laughs> because they need to... him. They need him to chase Jim off into the jungle. <laughs> of course. Which is a weird scene because, like, Israel, he's blind, but he's astute enough in his hearing, I guess, to still sense where Jim is. He's basically a superhuman in all of his blind powers. I don't know. He's He can see more than... Well, even the, the patch guy says something about he can see more with no eyes than I can with one. 
It's like that's a funny name. <laughs> again, they needed something to happen, so they made it happen. This was his origin story. Super Israel. <laughs> <laughs> Super hands. But yeah, while all the pirates are preoccupied with gathering the treasure, he chases Jim off into the jungle to get revenge on him for shooting him in the face. And then it's like this really long scene that I was like, if you played this just like a little bit fast and put like cartoony music, this would be like a Scooby-Doo cartoon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with that, yeah. It was like ridiculous how long this chase went on for. It was pretty long, yeah. Longer than it they definitely could have shortened it. Yeah. And eventually Jim gets cornered on the edge of a cliff, but then Israel lunges at him and he dodges and then he falls off the cliff with a hilarious scream. And I don't think it was supposed to be funny, but I burst out laughing just the sound that he made. <laughs> and of course he may not actually be dead because there may be another sequel coming up and you know what? He survived that. He just <laughs> broke a leg. That's all that, that happened. <laughs> I mean, that makes as much sense as him surviving the first movie, so maybe. Actually, there is, with the TV show, maybe he would have shown up in that. Oh gosh, I gotta check that now and see if, <laughs> if he was on the show. The Adventures of Long John Silver. No, there's no character, the main character named Israel Hand, at least, so that's a good sign. <laughs> but it has the same actors for Jim Hawkins, Long John Patch, and Purity Pinker. I wonder if he married Purity in, in the series. <laughs> probably not, knowing him. It's probably a running gag through the whole series. Yeah. Every time they come to shore, she's there in a wedding dress trying to marry him. <laughs> not again. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, this eventually leads to another ridiculously long scene as Jim is trying to make his way back across the island. And then you have this whole thing where he's like, dreaming and then there's like a ghost that i think is supposed to be israel hands but also it's probably just him hallucinating and then that scene ends with him getting captured by mendoza's crew to be held for ransom yeah i don't remember that scene that well that much and i i don't know how long that all lasted but at some point silver realizes that they've lost jim so he's not been paying attention for a long time because like he's run across the whole island He's killed Israel again and then come back. And now he just suddenly realizes that Jim's gone. He's been too preoccupied with the treasure. Yeah. So he goes after him and like pretends that he's going to turn himself over to Mendoza. But then they've got this whole plan. I don't, I don't know exactly what their plan was, but the crew is waiting in the jungle with like bombs that they've made out of the treasure for some reason <laughs> it's really ridiculous <laughs> and mendoza does not kill silver right away which you'd think that he would <laughs> you'd think that after all this time with all the double crossing that he does somebody would know that you don't leave him alive <laughs> you just get off him right away but no he he's, he's gonna capture him i guess instead no one kills anyone right away in this. In this no, uh, no, they do. They don't. But yeah, they start throwing these treasure bombs, and then even though Israel killed off most of their crew, they still easily defeat Mendoza's enormous crew for some reason. Script. Except they don't kill Mendoza. They decide they're going to maroon him on that island. After a weird scene where Long John is like sitting on him and sort of tickling him while threatening him. 
It's so weird. <laughs> he's like poking him in the ribs and he's giggling while he's telling him he's going to maroon him. It's such a strange scene. It's his torture. <laughs> I guess so. So then we go back to the mainland. The governor is congratulating Silver and Purity shows up again in a full wedding dress with the Reverend to marry him on the spot. Second and, time. And then he bolts again, <laughs> leaving her screaming after him again. And then that's the end of the movie. <laughs> I can't, like you said, it, it's entertaining enough. I can't say I didn't, like, I wasn't entertained watching it. And like I said, I didn't, um, I didn't feel the hour and 46 minute runtime. Yeah. But yeah. A lot of this is just a th- things happen because script said they have to happen. B things happen, which are pretty much copy and pasted from the previous film and the book and C things just happen because they wanted to make another film with Robert Newton as long as over. Pretty much. But yeah, even though this was kind of a ridiculous movie, it was entertaining and i did not feel like you said i did not feel the runtime i don't see myself watching this again (laughs) i don't either but i'm glad i watched it this time i probably wouldn't have watched it were it not for this podcast yeah it's probably same i think robert newton is is one of those actors that whatever he does you're at least going to enjoy at least his part in the film and Mm -hmm. he's definitely i would say hands down the best part of this film and yes. the, the only reason the film was made <laughs> yes like the the guy who made the movie was not dumb for making this like he saw yes. the potential in this actor in this character specifically and it was a good idea the script could have used a lot more polishing but the idea of the movie was a good idea yeah yeah there, there are some actors who are like that like they're good enough that even if the rest of the film sucks you you still enjoy watching mm-hmm. because of that actor or actress yeah i think robin is one of those yeah definitely i want to know what walt disney thought about, about this <laughs> me too <laughs> i am curious about that because he did not take kindly to people ripping him off there's a whole backstory on like the the making of alice in wonderland is fraught with like betrayals from other people ripping him off and going to different studios and like he got kind of vindictive with the people who betrayed him and yeah like there was a whole other alice in wonderland version that he somehow managed to get almost completely blocked from playing in the u.s (laughs) because of the fact that the people making it started with him and then went off and did their own thing and kind of took a few of his ideas, even though they didn't end up using them themselves. Yeah. It was still, the idea still originated with the Disney version. They pulled a Jeffrey Katzenberg. <laughs> kind of, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Walt did not take kindly to people ripping him off. And I can imagine that if he knew that this movie was being made, he would not have liked it. I feel this movie was bad enough that uh, he probably wouldn't have cared that much. <laughs> probably. But yeah, I would be curious to know what Walt would have thought of this. It's probably one of those things that we're never going to know. Like, even the what we know about the drama behind Alice in Wonderland has kind of been pieced together from various different interviews and writings over the years. I told Jenna that she should write a book about it because she's like heavily researched all of this. Wow. Like, this isn't something that you can just 
easily find out about. Like you can get like hints of it here and there, but like it would be, I think it would make for a great story for somebody to like actually do all the work to put all of this stuff together and piece together just how mad Walt was about this other movie. I'd love to read that. I'd actually love to hear Leonard Moulton's take on that. If he would actually, he would know some stuff about it too. It would be interesting. Well, that's probably going to be all for this film. Part of me wants to do the series, but I'm not planning on it and I won't plan on it, but I am still curious. I don't know if I'll ever do it, but if people want it, maybe they should leave a comment, but I'm not making any promises. Yeah, I don't think I'll watch it. Um, it's, it's 26 episodes. So then... Oh, 26? I thought it was only like 12. Nah, it's, it's one season, <laughs> that's but even it's 26. Less, that's even less chance of me doing it now. <laughs> yeah, so you might do that one on your own if you do it. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I, like I said, I don't have any plans. I'm just curious, and I would like to know if he ever marries Purity Pink. <laughs> that's, the, that's the main question we're all asking. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Long John Silver. Silver and Pink. That's a pair. Yeah. Anyways, I guess until the next podcast, you want to let people know where they can find you if they want more from you? Yeah, I have two um, blogs. I have the Animation Commendation at theanimationcommendation.com. I have animated film reviews, top 10 lists, and I host uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Animation Edition Game Show. And I have a My Live Action Disney Project at myliveactiondisneyproject.com where I try to watch and review every single theatrically released live action Disney film ever made. And I recently hit my 10-year anniversary on that, but I haven't finished all the films. <laughs> I still have more to do, so check me out there i have a feeling you're going to be on that project for quite a while ah, yes especially with all their live action remakes coming out <laughs> and then with disney plus i had to decide if i'm gonna do disney plus films so that was that's another that was another monkey wrench in my plans well with all the stuff happening with disney plus i have a feeling they're not going to be making too many specifically for disney plus anymore i think they're going to be doing maybe hybrid theatrical and disney plus better we'll see we'll see anyways until next time take care Thanks for listening to the Disney Movie Marathon. If you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform or to our YouTube channel. Make sure to follow my co-hosts as well, and if you want more content from us, check out one of the other podcasts in the iHeartMovies podcast network, or check out my brand new Patreon. My link tree, as well as any other relevant links, will be in the description. We'll be back soon with another brand new episode, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.